up across week Sunday. Man, give a hand clap again for Pastor Brandon and the message he brought. Um, it was, uh, uh, man, for me, it, I was, I was kind of, after the last previous uh, series, I, I was kind of leaning in a, another direction, but after hearing that message, I was, I was inspired to uh, continue this series we, that, uh, that Brandon entitled Endgame. Um, and, and last week he spoke a message about changing the perspective that we have on life, on, on looking towards the end game, that it's not just about the, the moments that we're in, but it's, there's, there's something greater, there's a treasure out there that needs to be found. And, and one of the, uh, the statements that he said, it really got me thinking, he said this, if the whole goal of our faith is only to be saved from our sins, then we may be missing out on the abundant life that Jesus provides for us here and now. There's so much power, so much depth within that statement, and I, I think a lot of us at times, we do, we miss out on the abundant life that Christ wants for us. We hold on to this golden ticket of salvation, and, and we sit there and say, okay, I'm saved, and, and now forget everything else, I'm just going to hold on to this ticket, when, when God has so much more in store for each and every one of us. But it requires a perspective, a shift, a, a, a mindset that's on the end game. The truth is, many of us live our Christian lives without a realization of, uh, like the scripture that Brandon talked about in Matthew 13, 44, the treasure that we have found in Christ. I, I think that if we were to truly grasp and understand the treasure that we have found, it would completely change our perspective on the circumstances, the situations that we constantly face. And where we should be selling out, I think a lot of us end up fading out. All due to a lack of understanding on the end game. Uh, another one of the scriptures that Brandon brought to point was this. It was Philippians 1 verses 9 through 11 and it says this. I pray, this is Paul writing, he says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. I pray that you continue, you don't just, just have that salvation moment, which, which is phenomenal. I'm not downplaying salvation. Salvation is beautiful. I love it. But it, it doesn't end there. I, I pray that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding, for I want you to understand what really matters. I want you to get it. I want you to understand what really matters here on this earth so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. He continues on, he says, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. So salvation in our lives, then when planted, produces something else. The fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. He's saying, I want you to understand what really matters. I want you to see the end game. I want you to live where you connect to your belief in Christ in such a way that it produces the kingdom God in you, the ki his kingdom within your life, in you, around you, and through you. Don't just stop at salvation, but keep growing in knowledge and understanding, which takes salvation, and it plants it deep. And from that, from salvation, planted deep within your life, all of a sudden you start to bud love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, the fruits of the Spirit. But how? In the middle of life, in the middle of circumstances, in the middle of the situations that we face on a daily basis, the resistance from all around, how do we see past the natural and into an everlasting endgame? I was reminded of the words James said. James said this, and he said, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, 
when you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The truth is, you can go throughout Scripture, and every single one of the disciples had a perspective on the end game. It, 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 was, it was this mindset that, that went beyond the here and now. It's so different than the common Christian outlook of today. So in thinking about the practical ways that we can have the same mind as Christ, I, I thought what better way than to study the verse we just read in Philippians where Paul tells us he wants us to understand what really matters. We're going to see, uh, as I'll, over the next couple of weeks, I just want to read through Philippians, and what we're going to see is this, this, this joyful letter. Here's this massive joyful letter coming from a situation, coming out of a circumstance where most of us would look at and say, you, you can't be joyful in that moment. You can't be joyful in that circumstance. I want to give you a little bit of context about the book, because I, I believe the context will give us a different perspective and help bring this teaching to life. Uh, Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul somewhere around the year 52 AD, and it was to the church in Philippi. He wrote this letter, uh, excuse, in 52, he wrote it in 62, but in 52 is when he started the church in Philippi. And, and, and scripture talks, Paul writes in other, in other places how much he loved the, this particular church, how much he loved these people. And they had had this relationship over this 10-year period, and, and, and they really had the heart of Paul. In fact, when this was written, what had just happened, there was a, the church itself had, had kind of gone out of their way to do something great for Paul. Uh, and so all of a sudden, he's, he's with this heartfelt emotion, he writes this letter of joy, of gratitude, and of thanks that we read as Philippians. Now, also, the beauty of it is, what's crazy is that Paul wrote this, again, joy-filled, thankful letter while in a Roman prison. So here we have these, these chapters in Philippians, this letter to the church at Philippi where Paul is expressing heartfelt gratitude, thanks, as well as sharing how he is still joyful. Now, mind you, he's been in prison for two years. In Rome, in prison for two years, chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. They would swap out guards about every six hours. And so uh, basically four different guards a day would come through and he'd be chained to a guard for 24 hours. Four, six hours, and then, yeah, six, 24, yeah. Six hours a day. 24 hours a day, six hours at a time, different guards. I'll figure it out. And, and, and what's crazy is, as you read through Paul's writings, you, you see this, uh, this desire of Paul. Paul had always wanted to go to Rome and preach the gospel. He, he was, again, this is Paul that was initially Saul. Saul used to persecute the Christians. And now he, he's had this moment with Christ. He's had, on the road to Damascus, he's, he's, he's seen Christ. He's had time with Christ. It's built his faith. His faith has produced a boldness. His boldness is, his, all of a sudden, he's seeing these results. And in his heart, he's always wanted to go back to Rome to preach the gospel. I mean, he's like, man, this is, this is, the, this is the epitome. This is the, this is the point where I need to get to. I've got to get back to Rome one day, and I've got to preach the gospel. But instead, here he is in prison. But with a proper understanding, I believe, of the end game, even in the middle of trials, we're going to watch as God can give you joy no matter what. 
I want to start in Philippians chapter 1, and we're just going to stay in chapter 1 today. We're going to start in verse 2. And Paul writes this, listen here. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time that I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from this day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Now, as again, you, you hear this heartfelt emotion, how he's talking about over these last 10 years from when I started the church, how you have been in partnership with me. But already you see him starting to lay groundwork. That last line, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's already laying groundwork, letting them know, look, look, this, this relationship that we have, what built the church, it wasn't me, it was God. What you rely on, what you look to for, for, for your foundation, for your rock, for your word, for your filling, for your nourishment, it's not me, it's always, it's always God. He continues on, he says, it's right for me to feel this way about you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains, if I'm a prisoner or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And there you, you see him start to really say it. He's saying, look, even if I'm in chains, he knows that the Philippians, they have, they're, they're, they're going to be very concerned for who he is, for where he's at in life right now. They, they have this relationship, this love with Paul. He knows they're going to be concerned about him, and so he's kind of telling them, look, look, here's what I'm going through, and I don't want you to be freaked out. God is still in control. Now, if, I, if there's anything I think that, that Paul would have wanted to change about life, I, I, would, I would guess, I've never met him, but I would guess the chances are pretty high that he didn't want to be in prison. I ask you this morning, and I'd ask that you think this in your own life and be honest with yourself. How many of you right now have something in your life that you wish was different? There's something right now that you wish that God would change about your life, about your situation, and I would say that chances are most of us would look and say, you know, I wish this wasn't the way it is. I wish this was different about my life. I, I really wish I wasn't doing the kind of work that I'm doing. I wish I was doing something else, or I, I seem to be in a job that's beneath me. It's not very fulfilling. I wish I lived in a different place, a different city. I, I, I wish I had different friends or a different house. I wish this was different. Some would say, man, I, I, I've been praying and I, I really wish I was married. Some across the room here today may be in a marriage and you're sitting there going, man, I really thought this would be different. I, I, wish, I wish this was, was better, that, that there was something more between us. There's families across the room today that would sit there and say, I, I, wish, I wish I had kids. I wish we could have kids. There's so many things, I think, in life that, that we constantly look at it and our mind immediately goes, I wish this was different about where I'm at. I wish this wasn't what I was going through. I wish, I wish that things would change. I wish this was different. I think we all look at our lives and think, I just wish that this was different in my life. I think we all have a, a this, whatever this is in your life. And, and, and for all of us, none of us ever understand the why. This is happening 
and I don't get it. I, I keep praying about this. I keep, I keep dealing with this. I keep going through this. And God, you're not changing it. It's not being fixed. Why? God, why don't you do something about this in my life? But I, I think some of the things in focusing on the end game, the eternal perspective, I, I think that we need to realize is that God always has a why behind your this. We don't necessarily see it. Again, we, we, we see immediately in the natural. And so naturally, we're not going to understand the whys, but you need to know that they're always, 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 God never wastes a hurt. God never wastes a hurt. God is not a God that wastes a hurt. If we can focus on the end game and not the present circumstance, you, man, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's in control. He's the kind of God that can turn an attack into something good. He can, he can make a trial, something in you that develops character, that changes who you are on the inside, building your faith through difficult times. God is working in all things to bring about good, Scripture tells us. God has a why for the this that we don't understand. As well, I think that we need to know that we don't have to understand the why to continue to trust God in this. So many times we believe like we need to have the answers. We need to know why. Why is this happening to me? And look, it would. It would make things so much easier. I think about circumstances in my life that I dealt with, that I prayed, that I, I sought God on, and I never understood the why. And in those moments, if I'd only known the why, maybe, maybe then I could, I could step forward one more day. And yet, and yet I, I see the struggle that produced a deeper faith. Um, I, I didn't have this in my notes, but I, it correlates well, and, and if you're offended by it, okay. Uh, this, this last week, I, I was blessed. Melissa, my wife, and I, we, we went to, to Napa. I got a chance to go visit the wine country. Um, and uh, they were talking about the grapes and, and the, the vines, and, and I never understood the science that was behind all of it. I mean, it was just so fascinating, so beautiful. But, but one of the things that they brought to light, here are all, all these vines, and they, they trim them down to, I mean, they're no more than just a couple feet off the ground, and every year they, they sprout up new vines. So the bushes that you see, the bushels of vines you know, with grapes all over them, uh, those are a year's growth, and they cut them back. Uh, but that, that main trunk, the main vine... They said the minimum root depth, the minimum root depth uh, is, is over 30 feet, some upwards of 90 or more, just to go down. And they said there was a term for it, and I'm going to forget the name of it. It was stressing, stressing the vine, I think it was called. Uh, but they said the, the best grapes, the best wines, the, 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 the most delicious flavor comes from the, the root that has had the most stress. In fact, they don't water a lot of the vines. They have drip systems on some of them, some of them in, in case they have to, but, but for the most part, there, there's no watered vines because they want those roots to stress through the rock. They want them to grow down way deep, and so that way they become confident in what it is that they produce. Um, you don't have to understand the why to trust God in the this. Proverbs 3, 5 says, I trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. There's so many times my understanding has gone, <laughs> that's, mm-mm, don't want it, don't want to do it. And yet his ways are not my ways. 
I, I think for all of us, if you're here today and you're in a place right now and you're going, look, I, I don't like it. I wish that this was different. If you want to know how to have an in-game perspective, I, I want to give you a question to ask yourself. The question that I think that each and every one of us are tempted to ask is why? We immediately look to why. Why am I going through this? Why is this happening? And I'm going to encourage you to skip the why. Just jump over the why completely. And instead of asking why, I want to encourage you to instead ask, now what? Instead of asking why, instead of questioning the circumstance itself, if you understand the end game, if your perspective is on a God who, 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 is, who is with you always, will never leave you, never forsake you, then you know that this has a purpose. You may not see it. You may not understand the why and the this, but at that very moment, you can still look to God and say, okay, now what? I don't like this situation. I, I, I don't like the way things are going. I don't like the way that things have turned out in my life. But God, I know you have a plan to prosper me, to give me a future, a hope. And Lord, because of that, I'm now saying, now what? What can we do through this? What are you looking to show me? What are you looking to, to reveal in my life? What are you looking to do through me in somebody else's life? God, now what? We see this happening in verse 12. Paul continues. He says this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me now listen here, I, I, I'll ask you another question, and that is, what is it that has happened to you? Not, not necessarily what did you do, but what has happened to you? I, I think in life, I mean, Scripture tells us in this world you will have trouble, and, and there's moments in life where, where we wake up and, and we realize we're in a situation, we're in a moment. It, it may be uh, all of a sudden you, you got that pink slip, you got laid off from your job, it, it, it work just, just lets you go, and now you're sitting there going, uh, I, what has happened to me? For some, it's families. that You know there's supposed to be love. You know there's supposed to be connection. You know there's supposed to be this relationship that you care about deeply. And yet, there seems to be just this, this rip, this constant tension. And you're sitting there crying out, this is not the situation that I wanted to be in. This is what has happened to me. This, is what, this wasn't what I asked for in life. The doctor's report that, that all of a sudden stares you face to face. And you're forced to look at it and, and acknowledge that, that something's not working right, even though you, you've been doing right, you've been doing good. And, and, and all these things, you, there's that doctor's report that says something otherwise. And, and in your mind, your immediate question wants to say, why? Why me? I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, in other words, it looks bad, but what has happened to me has served to advance the gospel. The word translated as, as advanced, it's actually a, a, a military term. It means to, to continue to move forward. It means to, to progress forward, to attack. When you look at Paul's perspective on the end game, what he's saying is what looks really bad is actually something that God is going to do something great through. I don't see it. I'm in a dungeon, I'm in a prison, I'm chained to a Roman guard. I don't see in the natural what God wants to do through this. But I have a perspective on the end game. And because of that, I know that this moment, this moment that, it, it, look, it sucks. Sometimes there's situations you go through in life, and I'm sorry there's no other way to put it. It's just terrible. I'm not downplaying anybody's situation that you're going through. Because when you're in that moment, it hurts. 
And you do, you want to cry, why? But maybe if you could get a perspective on something so much bigger than just yourself, on, on the treasure that you have found in Christ, you could, you could turn to God and say, all right, God, now what? What do you want to do through this? In those moments where you feel like this isn't good, I, I don't see God working here, I don't feel his presence, I, I don't understand, there's nothing good that can come of this. I want to encourage you to stop have a, a change of perspective and realize that God specializes in working all things out to the good of those who love him. The things you don't understand. We serve a God who can turn what we call obstacles into divine opportunities. We serve a God who can, who can take what we call setbacks and all of a, all of a sudden he, he turns them around into a setup. All of a sudden, he's glorified, and, and now you're making a difference in this life. Your prison could become your pulpit. Your prison could become your pulpit. The purpose that you can find even in your prison. What the enemy meant for evil, God can use for good in the middle of things that you would never choose. Man, God specializes in those moments. You may not see it, but God can give you a different perspective. I think there's times when, when you're in a place, and, and, and again, we don't see it. You don't understand it. You don't like it. But even though you can't see it, we have to know that God is there. But to do so, we have to look past the circumstances that we're in. Look with a spiritual eye and see that God has a purpose in the middle of your prison. That he can use this thing, this thing that, that you would never choose, this thing that you would never want, this thing that, uh, look, I, I've been through situations in life that I wouldn't wish on an enemy. And at the time, I, I never saw the good in any of it. And yet now, I, what, hindsight 2020, right? You, you can look back and you can say, wow, God, I'm, I'm where I am today because of that prison that I went through then. Because of the this, I now see the what. Now what do you want me to do, God? Now what? In verse 13, he continues. He says this, As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Now, now hold up. The Romans thought they were punishing Paul. They thought they were punishing Paul for preaching about Christ. But Paul, with a different perspective on the end game, is saying, look, you think I'm chained down? You think I can't preach Christ? You've forgotten who I'm chained to. My heart has always been to preach the gospel to Rome. And now you have secured me a captive audience every day with some of the top officials in all of Rome. Some of the top Roman guards are now chained to my arm. They're going to be forced to hear about the gospel. So all of a sudden, instead of sitting there sulking in the misery of what this was, all of a sudden he looks at it and he goes, oh, thank you. Watch me now. <laughs> I think some of you are here this morning and you're going through something difficult. And I want you to know that the test that you endure today could very well be the ministry, the testimony that you tell tomorrow. Your misery can become your ministry. I, I, I never thought I'd end up here. 
And, and I, I look back, and I know it's solely because of the way that God worked through prison moments, tired moments, hurtful moments. The test you endure today could be the testimony you tell tomorrow. And, and I, even as I say that, I, I, there's people across this room, I've heard your story, and, and mine, mine seems to just pale in comparison. There's people that can stand up here and, and preach this so much better than I. I love this. Paul continues. He, he continues in verse 14. He says this, because of my chains. Look, I'm, I'm locked up. I'm chained up. But because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. <laughs> because of my chains, people have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and, and even more fearlessly. God is all over this thing he's saying. Can you see it? What you, what you would immediately see is, is a, oh no, we got bad news, Paul's in prison. He's turned it around and he's flipped the script. He's focusing on an end game and he's like, God is all over this. Do you see it? Do you realize it? You wake up and, and, and things haven't gone the way you wanted, to be, wanted them to be. All right, now what? You wake up one day and, and you're financially strapped like you never thought you would be. Okay, God. Now what? What is it that you want to do in me? In relationships, there's people across this room that you've hit a relational dead end. And All right, God, now what? What do you want to do through this? As the band starts to make their way up here, I love that they closed on that last, that last song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth grow strangely dim and the light of his glory, his grace. When, when all of a sudden you can focus on the light, the glory of his grace. Man, it, it changes your perspective. Once you recognize the end game, you, you trust God with this. When you can lean on him through any curveball that life throws at you. When you can ask him, now what? Then you can look adversity in the face and say, so what? <laughs> so what? Uh, look, look here with me in verse 15. Paul writes, he says, It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and out of rivalry, but, but there are others out of goodwill. The latter, they do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel, but the former, they preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can, they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. How often in our lives do we get rattled when someone tries to stir up trouble for us? But look at Paul's response in this next verse, in verse 18. He goes, but what does it matter? So what? So they're trying to come at me. They're trying to stir up trouble for me while I'm, while I'm here in chains. So what? The most important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or from true, Christ is preached. That Christ is preached, guys, is the most important thing. In your life, everything that comes against you, everything that comes your way, I'm here to tell you this morning, look, the most important thing in your life is that Christ is preached. What does all the other stuff matter? You can get riled up about it. You could go on and on about it. You could hop on social media and, and rant and rave about it. You could sit there and, and write a complaint letter and drop it in the box. You can, you can do everything that you want to do, getting there all just built up, worked up inside of your life. But really, what, what does it matter? You could gossip about it. You could do whatever. But, but, but he says, look, what, is that, what does all that really matter? 
What's most important is that Christ is preached. And because of this, because Christ is preached, I rejoice. Even though I'm in chains, even though I'm locked up, even though I I am chained to a Roman guard every single day, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Sometimes when you get to a place in life where where there's some things that, that are bothering you, I think you just need to learn to say, so what? I think when we can identify that, that, that the situations that, that sometimes are, are, the, are the mountains in our lives, when we can realize that it, it, in the grand scheme of, of life, of eternity, these things really aren't that big a deal. It changes your perspective when you can grab a hold of that and suddenly you, you, you can focus on, on what really does matter. Because so often we get wrapped up in the things that, that aren't eternal. What is... What is it that matters? Man, that, that his message is conveyed. That the message of Christ is conveyed to the people that we live among. And that the people we live among will see how awesome it is, the work that God is doing in and through you. Serving people matters. Using our gifts to make a difference in the world, that, that's what matters. Being Christ-like, that matters. And that's why Paul could say one of the most stunning statements ever in verse 21 he wraps up and and he says this now as always Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death for to me my perspective on the end game my understanding of this whole thing to live is Christ to die to die is gain In other words, if I continue living, I I continue to represent Christ. I continue to show the good work that he is doing in my life. I'm dead to myself. I live for him. My life is not my own. It's all about him. Again, Paul is writing this letter, joy-filled letter of thanks from prison, awaiting trial to determine if he's supposed to be executed. He's on death row. And yet he says, now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I live, I represent Christ. If I die, I get to be with him. What are you going to do to me? (laughs) Look, when you have that kind of perspective, you can realize that all of the things that tend to weigh us down, they don't really matter that much. And again, I pray you hear me. I'm not trying to belittle the situation, the this that you're going through. Because as you're going through it, it really is, it seems everything. But, but when you can focus, you can change your perspective on what everything really is. All of a sudden, it makes that this that was everything just nothing. Sure, it still hurts and you're still walking through it. But, but the perspective of a God that, that can walk you through it. God always has a why behind your this. You don't have to understand the why to continue to trust God. So you've got something that you don't understand. Now what? Now what? God, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do through me? What do you want to do through this attack to bring about your glory, to bring about your name represented, Father? I pray that you would hold my head high, that you would help me to keep my shoulders back, even in this moment where I want to crumble to the ground. That your hand would uphold me, would lift me, Lord God, and that the people around me would see that I'm standing on something stronger. 
And in that moment, when they see that I'm standing on something stronger, then all of a sudden they're drawn in, they're drawn in, and they, they can't help but ask, man, how, how are you doing this? God, now what? What do you want to do through these attacks? Because, Lord, all of me, I'm all about Christ. To live is to represent Him. To die is to be with Him. It's a change of perspective. And it changes, changes everything. It's about an end game. If you bow your heads with me as I close in prayer this morning, Lord God, I pray that your spirit would minister to each and every individual across this room, Father, that, that, that we, would, we would be open to hear your word. Father, for those this morning that are hurting, that are struggling, God, that your presence, that, that, that the teaching of your word, Father, would be something different in their lives. With every head bowed, every eye closed, as I continue to pray, look, I know there's people here this morning that are going through a difficult time, and, and, I, and I don't, I don't want to minimize the pain of it all. I don't want to say it's not a big deal, because a lot of times it, it really is. It's a big deal. It's, it's life, and life can throw some brutal punches. Life can hurt, but in the middle of it, I pray that you can trust God with the why, to lean in on Him, that you get to the place where you can say, you know what, 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 what do you want to say to me, God, through this, where you can, you can look past the why that you're looking for and instead look to the, all right, God, what do you want to change in me, through me? I'm not going to let this weigh me down anymore. I want it to be about what's most important. Those of you who are here this morning, they feel like you're going through a this. You're in the middle of something that you really wish was different. If you'd just say, man, I, I want to pray for you, I'd be more than honored. I'd, I'd love the opportunity to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out, call you up front, or make you tell the, you know, the, the audience what it is that you're going through. But with just a show of hands, I want to pray for people across this room. Awesome, awesome. Anybody else? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hands going up all over the room. Here we go. Awesome. 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 Heavenly Father, Lord God, I, I come before you, Father, and I pray for those that have lifted their hands here today that are going through situations, circumstances that, that they wouldn't have wished for, stuff that, that maybe has just happened to them, Lord God. I pray that the power of your Spirit would minister hope, Lord God, in, in a way that, that completely transforms their perspective, that, it, that they would be ministered, their faith would be built, Lord God, that it would grow because of time with you. I pray, Father, there are those here that would realize because of your goodness, even though the enemy tries to throw his weight at them, Lord God, the enemy tries to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy, God, we know that you turn everything, you can take everything and turn it around for good. Father, that you would use what was meant for evil and that you turn it around, Father. That we pray this morning that, that, that we as a body would be encouraged, Lord God. That the this, the test, the prison that we're going through today, what we're enduring today could very well become our testimony tomorrow. The opportunity for us to share about our faithfulness, your goodness, your grace. How you worked, how you did something within us. How you did something through us, Lord God. And because of that, because of that moment that we, we seemingly endured, Lord God, we know that lives were changed for eternity. I pray, Father, for your miraculous presence to give us, as your word says, a, a, a peace that goes beyond understanding. Even in these moments, these this, Lord God, these times when, when we don't understand, we, we, we hate it, we want to fight it like hell, Lord God. I, I pray that you would help us to have a peace.
a peace, Lord God, that comes solely from your spirit, your presence in our lives. Even though we don't understand, Lord God, that it goes beyond our human ability to understand that we would still choose to trust you with the why and surrender ourselves, Lord God, to do all that you have called us to do. For your glory, we pray, Father. Help us to sell everything that we have to grab a hold of this treasure that we have found. To set aside, Lord God, across this room, I pray for people that they would, they would set aside the, the, the things, Lord God, the hindrances that, that would keep them from just selling out solely to you. Father, I thank you for what we found. Salvation, Lord God, the gift, Father, but the, that we wouldn't allow salvation to be our golden ticket, Lord, but, but we would allow it to plant within our lives, to run deep, that those roots would have to go down hard, Lord, through the rocky soil to be able to grab a hold, Lord God, to take, to take a stronghold, Lord God, within our life and, and to turn it into just your work through us. Father, I pray this in your precious, mighty name. I thank you. Amen. Amen. Guys. It's about a perspective on the end game. God bless you all. Y'all have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday afternoon.